There's no question that David achieved a lot of things. A lot of things he achieved. He, I mean, from 16 years of age, built a nation, established it as the most powerful nation in the known world. God is so impressed with his heart. He puts his kingdom attached to this forever. And then you have Solomon that comes and Solomon makes it the richest nation in the world. But right after that, you have Jeroboam, the nation is split, and we know that Israel is not the dominant nation in the world. It's almost like having a smoke screen where when the smoke clears, there's nothing after a while because what matters most is not how much we achieve. It's what kind of impact we have in our children's lives. We could build a house, we could buy the cars, but if our children don't, are not impacted by developing their character, nurturing their character, then there's no legacy. Fathers, today, you are the legacy. The Bible is saying you impact the world. If a father turns his heart to his sons, God will bless the land. But if he doesn't, he will curse it. You are the legacy that God looks at. Some of you sit here today and you may be in tears because a father did leave a legacy. He did touch your heart. He did mean a lot to you. And today you sit thinking about that because he did do his job. Think about it. I, I understand that some people it's complicated. You're a single father trying to balance everything. That's challenging. It has to be challenging. Maybe you're a father that is in a blended family. That can be complicated. We all know the complications. Maybe you're the father that are still trying to father children from, from a marriage that is dissolved. And now you're trying to work through that. But stay the course because you're the legacy that God has established. You're the impact that shaped the life of that child to make a legacy, not just in your home, but around the world. Today, be that legacy. Be reminded of the need for the legacy. Happy Father's Day. God bless you for staying the course. I was heading to the Caribbean to speak, not this time, but not a time, and my wife and I could tell that she was tired. So I said, we're not going to do the Galveston thing. Somebody called and asked me to speak in the Caribbean, and all I got to do is a night service. And the theme that they pick are messages that I've done already, so I don't have to study a lot during the day. Would you come with me? (laughs) She said, well, is that a rhetorical question? (laughs) You know, I'm ready. So, you know, she ready to pack the bag. Well, she was tired. We were all both tired. So we got on the plane, and when we got on the plane, both of us, I normally have a book, but I, I found myself drifting off. Matter of fact, she took a picture of my hands on the keyboard and my eyes shut. And when I, she landed, she texted to the rest of the family. He's tired, he just don't admit it. But she was out too. I didn't know she woke up and spotted me. But it's funny what happened when we landed. We hadn't prayed. Normally we pray and say, God, take us safely where we're going. Help us not just to make this another trip, but God, let it be a blessing to the people we serve. God, you know that's our heartbeat. So, God, please do it. We pray that prayer. We jump in the little uh, Uber or Lyft and head to the airport. But we didn't pray. God knows. I'm, I'm, we didn't pray. We just was rushing, got finished packing at 2 o'clock in the morning, had to get up at 6. We are moving. And I got to the airport and they said, your flight is down this particular terminal. And we had to walk all the way down. We all the way in San Juan. I had to walk all the way down, go down the stairs. And when we walk out onto the Termax, it was a little bitty plane. It looked like a bird. It looked like a bird. I, I, when you go in a plane and you have to bend down like this, you're in trouble. And so me, walking on the tarmac, I noticed my hands got held tight. 
real tight. And she says, did you tell them about the will? I said, whoa, 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 whoa. We ain't, we ain't dead yet. <laughs> you know, what you talking about? You know, we get into this plane. Did you tell them anything about the will, where it is and all this stuff? I'm saying, whoa, 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 we dead? We, we, we died? She goes, is that the plane? I said, yeah, that's the plane. She said, did you realize it has one propeller? She's been counting. The whole time we come down them steps, go through this glass area, walking onto the tarmac, she counted one propeller. She said, where are you sitting? <laughs> I said, I, I can't fly. I can't fly. I can't get her to go on a cruise with me because I always joke with her and I said, it's funny how you can fly but don't go on a cruise. A cruise, at least you could get into a, 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 a boat and go along somewhere. On a plane, you out. <laughs> so I was teasing her, but she, I said, so I sat in the plane and she said, we're going to pray? So I said, no problem, baby, let's pray. And we prayed. But what it dawned on me is how intentional everything became because of the size of the plane getting smaller. Before there was four engines on the plane, this jet that's going to fly for five hours from Houston into San Juan, and they bumped me up to business class, so we all exquisite up in there. Uh, so we sitting there, everything was fine, the seats are comfortable, relaxing, in the chair, uh, you know, just they bring us something to eat, all this other stuff was good. But now we land, same seat belts, <laughs> seats are different. But one engine, prayer was intentional. It is interesting how God becomes magnified when our problems become magnified. When our problems we feel are manageable, then we talk to God less. We interact with God less. We don't see that, that we have issues that are just as important because four engines have gone out several times around the world. You had this fancy jet that, from England that they no longer fly, that flew and crashed and landed and killed everybody on board. So it's not like engines, planes with four engines on them don't crash. But the one propeller created a prayer life. The size of a plane, don't get me twisted now, it was like a bird. I mean, it was, you, you're climbing up the steps and the minute you get into the, into the plane, you're like this. You don't take no bags, uh, just other than your backpack, and that's it, you know? So I understood. I was feeling nervous. But it's interesting how the prayer life changed. You see, this is the issue in our lives today that steals confidence. It steals confidence. Our confidence in God is great when he's blessing us. Our confidence in God is low when he's not answering prayers like we want him to. When he is not providing for us like we want him to. He's not doing for us the things we expect him to like we prayed and have, you know, he is in me as greater than he was in the world. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we're doing all those things, man, we feel empowered because the bills are getting paid. The car is driving. we got a job. We're feeling good. Our health is looking good. Oh, praise God. We're having a great time. But when God starts to take the, allow the bottom to be taken out from under us, and things get shaky, our confidence in God is like going on the small jet on the, rail, on, the, on the runway. And then this young girl 
gets in to fly it. That made it even more intimidating when she saw this young girl in the cockpit. I even got scared. I looked at the young girl, little young girl, little short thing. I'm your pilot today. No, you ain't. <laughs> you need to get some blood up in here. <laughs> yes. I looked at my wife and I said, yes, we need to pray. It's funny how our confidence in God changes when the pilot in our life is changed. See, many of us are piloted by money. When money's good, we got a safe flight. Many of us are piloted by the structures we've put together, the 401ks, the, the job situation, the length on the job, retirement looking good, all these different things structured, the financial structures have been our pilot. Some of us feel safe. One time we had a hoop tea, we prayed in the morning and thank God at night. Now we ain't driving no hoop tea. Oh Lord have mercy. We just jump in the car and we take off. Until things get rough on the highway, then we pray. But before then, we could be pretty cool about where we are because that piloted us. Our confidence is based on who pilots, not based on who God is. So I want us to walk through today. If we don't get finished today, that's fine. I want to analyze this text to death and, and, and hopefully still keep your attention as to what keeps you intentional when the bottom is out. When things in your life is not the same. Because that's what's going on here in the book of Hebrews. So go to chapter 10 before we arrive in chapter 11. So we learn from these people on how bad life was for them. When life was great for them, they were praising God. They were great. They were determined as believers to do what God says and to worship God and to walk with God. But then the bottom came out. And what he now has to reestablish for them is that God, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's trying to establish them by showing that Jesus Christ is the one who's greater than Abraham, Melchizedek, everybody. He's greater. So these Jewish people, the Jewish background, oh, no, 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 this God is greater. He's mighty. He's powerful. He has to prove that throughout the time. He is, the, he is your high priest that prays for you in heaven, chapter 4, chapter 8. Because they have brought God down and their confidence left them. You see, in chapter 10, look at verse 32. He says, but remember the former days. But after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings. Partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations. And partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. Some people stuck with one another in this church. For you showed sympathy to those prisoners. People were taken out to jail for walking with God. Accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. You accepted it. Knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Started off strong. Therefore do not throw away. The problem stayed too long. It went on for too long a time. So now they want to throw away, throw away their confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance that when you have done the will of God, you receive what was promised. 
That's why chapter 11 exists in Hebrews. It's because these people were about to throw away their confidence. They were about to say, this is too much. It's going on too long. These struggles are continuing forever and forever. Every time I get up in the morning, it's the same problem. It's sitting right there. It's laying right there. On the count on the bank, it's still there. I've got all this medication I'm taking. That's still there. Everything is still there. It hasn't changed. I went to church. It's still there. I go to work. These people are still acting crazy. That's still there. My depression is still there. Are you telling me to keep believing in this God? No. He has to warn them in verse 37. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But the righteous, those who stay doing the kingdom plan of God, will live by faith. That's why you have chapter 11. Chapter 11 exists also because of what you're going to see in chapter 5. It's not what they, he, says, he says, you want to shrink back in verse 38. He's not going to have any pleasure in you. All you're going to do is verse 39, you will end up being destroyed along with the world. He says it right there in verse 39, for we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul, to the preserving of your life. When you see soul in the Bible, it's talking about day-to-day life. You preserve your day-to-day life because you choose to keep walking with God. You to preserve your finances. You preserve where God has you. You keep making it, no matter how bad it looks, you keep making it because you don't walk by your circumstance. You walk in confidence by the one who stands with you. He says, so look at how bad it got. Look at chapter 5. They don't want to hear about the Bible no more. They just want to go to church and go home. Just want to go to church and go home. They don't want to hear about all this Bible stuff. Stop teaching me all this stuff. Look at verse 11. Concerning him of chapter, four, chapter 5. Chapter 5 verse 11. Concerning him we have much to say, but it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. You don't want to hear anymore. Just come to church, sit through the service and go home. So when you're talking to you, you're like a teenager who don't drive fast. They're dull of hearing. They sit there because of respect to the parents. But when they got out there, they drove the car real fast. They didn't hear nothing, even though they listened. He says, you become dull of hearing. He says, for by, for though by this time you ought to be teachers... You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God because you have come to need milk, not solid food. You want to hear Jesus died and rose from the dead. David killed Goliath. You just want them simple stories. Don't make me think hard. You start making me think hard, I'm out of here. And that's exactly what they did. Look at chapter 10. They exactly, they started walking out the church door. And he has to tell them in chapter 10, verse 24. He says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking your own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, they start coming to church. Not only do they stop coming to church, they start fighting the leaders in the church. Look at chapter 13. They start start fighting the leaders. They say, man, when I come to church, I don't care to hear all this Bible stuff. I don't tell me no deep stuff. I don't want to hear all that deep stuff. I don't want to think that hard. Just encourage me because I'm tired of going through this pain. I'm tired of going through these difficulties. I'm tired of going through all this stress. I'm tired of working so hard. People taking my stuff, putting me in jail, beating me down. And I'm saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And all I do is get more trouble. I'm tired of it. So I'm tired of you leaders telling me what to do. 
Look at verse 17. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. They didn't want to hear from the leaders anymore. So he's saying it's not profitable for you. Why? Because they so walk away from God, you couldn't even get them to listen to God no more. Look at chapter 6. Trials can bring us down to where the plane got so small we ain't interested in flying no more. We'll just stay in San Juan and have vacation there. We ain't getting on no plane. I can just see some of y'all. I ain't getting on that plane. Mm-mm. You better get another plane because I ain't flying that small little thing. You, you, you know there ain't no money in the bank but talking crazy. I want to go to the island but get us another plane. Well, am I going to get a part-time job in two seconds that's going to pay me right now? He told me some of us would do that. Some of us would. And some of us have done that. And that's why a walk with God is no longer an experience of God. It's an experience of church. Not God. It's an experience of doing devotions, not God. Because we've gotten there. And anytime somebody challenges us, our attitude gets like this. Look at chapter 6. Our attitude gets like this, he says. In chapter 6, he says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from, from dead works and of faith towards God. He's been working on getting to chapter 11 all book long. He says instruction about washing. They wanted to just lay hands on people, washing, healing people. That's what they wanted. Immediate responses because they're sick of waiting on God. Now look at what happened to them eventually. Look at verse 4. He says in the case of those who once have been enlightened, have tasted the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then fall away. It is impossible to renew them. Again, to repentance, since they are, since they, they again crucify themselves, crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. The church is that close to being there after COVID. It is just that close. COVID has exposed where the hearts of people are when it comes to God. It exposed it. And if they don't take it carefully, if we don't t- listen carefully to God, we'll eventually have no scriptures to guide anybody back to him. So there's no way to bring you back. There's no way to turn you around because if I give you deep things, oh man, this stuff is just so deep. Why you got to talk like this? You want elementary things and the elementary things after a while, it's like feeding a grown person milk every day. After a while, they get sick of the milk. So eventually, what do you have for this person to tell them to do the right thing? Nothing. You have nothing. Why would God turn his back on Israel in the wilderness? Because there was nothing left to say. I've shown you manna. I've shown you a cloud. I've shown you fire. I've opened up rocks and give you water. What else is it supposed to have for you? Since you ain't going to respond, just stay in the wilderness and die. Because Why? At the Red Sea, confidence. Once they got through it, but in the wilderness, brought God low. No confidence. Wandered everywhere and died. So that's why he's saying, 
The whole issue of intentional is not a nice subject to get us there. The issue intentional is life and the pressures of life take you there. It just has a way of taking you there. That's where it takes you, life and the pains of life, the struggles of life, take you there. It takes you into this numb place. It takes you into this passive place. It takes you into this complacent place where you get sick of God. And then if you talk about God and talk about walking with him, talk about obeying him, there's no confidence in it. So the more I lack that confidence, the more I become more and more complacent, more and more ritualistic. And more and more, there's no words to get me to turn anymore. No words. Because we let confidence go away. So being intentional is not just being intentional. Being intentional is the same way like it is this week when I realize that I messed up. How'd I mess up? This week, before the holidays, I went and I said, I'm going to find me a cheap bike. So I went and I went all the way into the heights and found me a bike. I got the bike. I put a light on it. I got my sit, sit up there where I could put my phone on there got my, so I could listen to music and ride. Got my bike. It's sitting in the garage, ready to rock. Fixed it up, everything ready to rock. Then I went to the gym. And I found out that United Healthcare lets you go to the gym free. Hallelujah. So I went to the gym and I got all hooked up. I sat there, let the man take me through the whole thing, line it all up. And now I'm saying, I'm ready to go. Then I see my grandson riding my bike. I said, wait a minute. I didn't even get to ride the thing first. Then it hit me. I haven't worked out with that bike. I haven't been to the gym. And it's showing when I stand in the mirror. So now I got to eat green leaves like a cow every day. Understand, my body is becoming, is responding to what God designed it to be. It designed us with so many joints, he wants us to move. Because he, they didn't have bikes. They didn't have cars. They didn't have airplanes. They walked. So he designed it to be a body of exercise. And I'm going against his design, so I'm paying for it. Not because I'm not doing a different things, it's because I'm not intentional about the thing that makes me healthy. What, see, it's not that people haven't done great things this week. You have. You've taken care of a family. You've paid bills. You've driven places. You've done healthy things. Maybe you made some really good decisions about a lot of things you've done. But when it comes to your spiritual health, the intentionality is what gets you to a level where when you're weak, you're strong. When you are stressed out, there's peace. When you are going through hard times, you find joy. When problems continue to extend, you find strength. When you need to make decisions and they're complex, you find wisdom. Because now you're living in the spirit and not in the flesh. So you don't wear out as fast. He says, well, you're not intentional, then you become complacent. And the bike sits in the garage. And I, the app on my phone is just an app on my phone, not an entrance into LA Fitness. It's just an app. Well, folks, church has become an app. And we want to know, God, why? Why can't I experience you? 
He's saying the first thing you must do is to act like you believe in me when I talk to you. And our situation will expose whether or not we really walk in him. So somebody says, God, why you let me go through this? I'm trying to teach you you. That's what I'm trying to do is teach you you. He said, what are you talking about? In the wilderness, in the wilderness, what did God teach them? You. I wanted to take food from you. I wanted to take all this comfort you had, not much comfort says a slave, and in, in gossip, put you in the wilderness and feed you manna, let you walk around in the same clothes, same shoes, and see if you're going to reject me. And you did. Why would I take that heart into a promised land and bless you? I got So I choose to take, let you die and take a different heart in there. So the wilderness exposes who you are. So many times when God lets us go through what we're going through, he's just saying, the reason why I'm still working on you because this is you. That's why I'm leaving you in this mess. That's why I'm letting you see these problems. That's why I'm letting you see this pain. I'm letting you see all these struggles because I'm exposing you. So hopefully when you see you, you'll let me work on you. Think, think about this for a minute. Look at chapter 11. This is what it does. This is what it does. Today, if your struggles don't do this to you, it confirms your confidence in God doesn't, is not there because the core to that confidence is absent, faith. Faith shows confidence. Faith shows confidence. That's what it shows. Faith shows it. Watch this carefully. Look at verse 23. He says, By faith, Moses, when he was born. Obviously, the subject of this passage is going to be Moses. But we have to establish how Moses got to be Moses. That's what it's saying right there. How did Moses get to be Moses? He says, By faith, when he was born, was hidden for three months. Why was he hidden? Why, was, why is he saying, By faith, this was done? Please hear me. Jochebed, this is his mother, Jochebed, understood what was said through oral tradition. What do I mean? They did not have the Bible like we do. Every bookstore, that's why I believe we have so much in America. It leads to complacency. Two things. Money and power. Those two things, if you can't handle them, even men after God's own heart couldn't handle them, and they turned on God. Money and power. Money brings luxuries. You don't need faith. What do you need faith for? You got a brand new car. You got a nice house. Everything works in it. Power. Tell people what to do. Those two things destroyed men that were powerful men of God. Just those two things. The men that you look at that were successful was Paul who said, I counted everything lost. You know, there was a gentleman that came to work on my house. He, my dryer broke and he came to work on my house and it was nice when he was going out the door and he says, you know, you don't know this, but your ministry on television changed my life. It is nice to, when we go to Africa, to see pastors just come and 
they are so engaged in what they're learning. It just empowers us that travel there. It's good to go to the Caribbean and see the difference that God has blessed us to be able to make as we contribute for God's glory to the many different things that are taking place. So folks, I pray that you will support this ministry. It goes towards ministry. And I pray that when you do so, you would see the impact that it's making on the lives of people. Look forward to your support. We need it. Thank you.